Our Old Testament reading this evening comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, and then 28 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you. Please be seated. Our New Testament reading is about uh, Jesus healing and loving the crowds. Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew, from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great cat crowd gathered to him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and, and lay your hands on her that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. 
And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, and he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, kumi, which means little girl. I say arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This far the reading of God's word. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we come to you scared scared that maybe you won't receive us you'll cast us out you'll find us dirty scared that life has been hurtful to us because we are not doing things right and it's our fault somehow scared because you're mad at us scared because we think it's too late for you to do anything to hell and Jesus we we certainly don't claim to be doing everything right but we have come to the right place and we pray that you would receive us show us the same gentleness and kindness that you showed to Jairus to this dear daughter of yours who've been suffering for so so long praying your precious perfect name amen I, I don't know why I really don't, but Christmas has always made me sad. Um, I've always gotten what my mom called the Christmas blues. I always identified with Charlie Brown and Elvis to a lesser extent. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. And I didn't even know who I was without. I just knew Christmas was going to be blue. Um, and it wasn't, uh, it was once a year in particular, I remember was actually on New Year's Eve that I laid in my bed crying, crying so loudly that my sister heard me and I had to uh, deny that I had been crying the night before the next morning. She was asking at the breakfast table what you were crying about and 
I was so defensive that I almost got spanked and made to cry. My mom gave me the old, uh, if you don't hush that, I'll give you something to cry about speech. That never worked, but that she gave. And I think it's, uh, it's just a tender time. It's a time when we're, for whatever reason, maybe it is the darkness. Maybe it's, uh, you know, just the continual barrage of happy music. Maybe it's the lights. Whatever it is, there's this contrast between, you know, what I feel, what the world feels like to me, and to most people, I think, and to this projection of what we're supposed to be like. And I, and I just feel that gap bigger during those times of years. And, and, and just can't, you just can't ignore, you can't ignore, you just can't ignore the sadness of this life. It's inescapable. Uh, Tim Keller, when he talks about marriage to singles and groups and young married groups, he says, uh, he says, this is the difference between being single and being married. Being single is always hard and sometimes it's tragic. But being married is always hard and sometimes it's tragic. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't disagree with him much because when you do, you're wrong. But um, he's wrong about that. It's always tragic. It always leads to pain. Love always leads to pain. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up in a safe, uh, in a casket or a coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. For to love is to be vulnerable. Um, one of the things I do every year, this time of year, is I, uh, rather than going and watching a bunch of Christmas movies, I get our favorite sitcoms, and I watch the Christmas episodes over and over and so uh last week i was watching the uh the middle the middle is my favorite sitcom uh it really does describe people in this part of the world everything the characters have said in that show i have said at one time or another and um and there's this little boy on there who is super smart and, and super awkward and uh he's in this particular his name is brick and in this christmas episode he's uh he's just bumming everybody out and he's bumming everybody out because he lost his Santa Claus Pez dispenser. It was here, but now it's gone. And it being gone has left him thinking about death. Uh, and, he, and he says to his dad one day, he says, I started thinking that someday you'll be gone. And then I'll be gone. And we'll all be gone. And his dad, uh, Mike Heck, says, well, sure. Everybody worries about death. It's terrifying. But you know what we do? We shove it out of our minds. That's why we have books and candy and water parks and TV 
It's all just one big old distraction from death. All better? And that's really true. Like, and to some degree, I feel that way. I feel like the flowers and the lights are to distract us. Because life is sad. You know, I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest. Let's just, y'all came here to be honest, right? Let's just be honest. What happens if you really love somebody? There's only two ways it's going to end. Either they're going to break your heart and leave, or you're going to break their heart and leave. Or are you going to love them until you die, or until they die? Those are four terrible endings. And into this world of sadness, Jesus enters. He, he comes. He didn't have to. This is the, the miracle of Christmas is not, I mean, well, everything's a miracle about Christmas. God himself becoming human flesh. But the, the true mystery of Christmas is that he would do it. Why would he do it? What, what, what was it that he saw that made him want to do it? He, he comes into this world to experience pain with us. He, he comes into this world uh, to touch our pain, and everything he touches, he transforms and he heals. He comes into this world, uh, he enters this life of pain to transform uh, everything he touches. Uh, first thing I want you to see is, is this, this sweet woman who is afraid of him. She does, she's afraid he's going to reject her. You see, not only is she sick, but she's unclean. She's, she's got this flow of blood, which means that anything that touches blood is unclean and can't go to the temple. And so no religious person would have anything to do with her. Uh, it, was a, it became a point of honor how far you had stayed away from unclean people. If, if unclean people are, are bad and clean people are good, then the further you stay away from the unclean, the better you are. Uh, if you read the uh, Talmud, we, this, this large collection of commentaries on the law, one rabbi would brag about never going on a street where a leper had walked. And another, uh, another rabbi bragged that he would never buy an egg from a vendor who had sold anything to a leper. They're, they're, they're bragging about how far they had stayed away from the unclean. And here's this woman, and she knows that if she not, sees Jesus, he's going to reject her. But she's in fear and terror and faith and all those things mixed together that we all know so well and we live with so well, she reaches out and she touches him. And he turns around and he said, who, who touched me? And he won't leave until she tells him, I love this understatement. She told him the whole story. That had to take a long time. She had suffered many things. This is also funny. She had suffered many things at the hand of physicians. Luke, the physician, leaves that verse out when he tells the story. I think that's funny. But she had suffered many things, and, and she told him the whole story, and he says, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Daughter. He receives her. He gives her a place. He, he touches her. He receives her. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus. He does the same thing with a leper in, in Mark 4. A man who's unclean comes to him and says, 
Sir, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, very fascinating phrase. You can make me clean. And, and Jesus says, I am willing. And touches him. And that touch, which according to the law would make Jesus unclean, it actually made the, the sick man, the leper, clean. And what we see in this text is that our weakness, our sickness, our uncleanness draws out Jesus' compassion. It's not their strength. It's not their beauty. It's not their smarts. It's their weakness that draws out Jesus. Um, Tony Campalo, who passed away recently, used to tell a story about flying... Uh, across the country from Philadelphia to Los Angeles and uh, he had this little four-year-old behind him who was very annoying, kicked his seat a lot, sang a lot, talked a lot. She was going to see daddy. She was so happy about going to see daddy. Daddy, daddy this, daddy that, daddy this. Her mom gave her a huge half-pound bag of M&Ms to make her be quiet. So she just started popping those M&Ms, popping them, popping them, popping them. And somewhere near Los Angeles they had encountered turbulence and it got hot on the plane and she did what children do in the midst of turbulence and heat when they have a half pound of chocolate in their stomach. She sicked all over herself. And she didn't talk anymore about daddy. Tony Campalo in his sinister dark heart said, I was so glad she was quiet. And he walked off the plane and he got, you know, he's sitting in front of her so he gets off first. And he walks past the, the, you know, through the jet bridge and into the uh, waiting area, and he sees in, in bright white pants and a bright yellow California uh, shirt, Daddy. And he's just like, he, he wonders, he stops, he slows down, he says, I wanted to see how Daddy was going to receive this girl with sick all over her. And he said, Daddy ran to her and picked her up and just hugged her, kissed her and got her sick all over him and just comforted her with her his kisses. And he said to his wife, Honey, I'm, I don't like to do this, but would you mind getting the bags? I feel like my daughter needs me right now. See, her sickness, her pathetic, sad sickness did not make Father want to run away. It drew him to her. That's not surprising. If you're a parent, you understand that. Do you understand that God is the same way for you? Your broken heart, your inability to be as happy as you feel like you ought to be, your inability to rejoice always, the way the Bible tells you to rejoice, your very sadness, your weakness, draws out God's heart for you. We don't make him unclean. He makes us clean. But Jesus doesn't just touch us and doesn't just convince us of his goodness. He transforms everything he touches. He goes in to this little girl's house and she's died. But he says, no, she's just asleep. Don't. He, he, he looks at the dad, Jairus, and he says, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe anything 
but me. Just believe me. And he goes into the room and just very sweetly using kind of Aramaic pet language. Sweetheart, wake up. It's time to get up. And he wakes her up. Jesus transforms what he touches. He is full of life. And his life overwhelms death. That was a small taste of what he was going to do when he goes to the cross and and gets sucked down into the grave. The grave didn't know that he was going there willingly, going there willfully, going there with the intention of sucking every bit of poison out of that cup. And he transforms death. He doesn't eradicate it yet, but he transforms it. So that it's no longer an end. It's no longer something we have to fear with sweet little brick heck and Mike heck. It still casts a shadow, but it only casts a shadow. It's just a shadow. Uh, there was one pastor who was driving. His, his wife had died suddenly, and he still had two young children. And uh, they were going to the funeral, and his children had a lot of questions. Where was mom? What's going on? Where's Jesus and all this? And uh, while they were in the back of the, the limo on the way to the funeral, a, a truck passed them, and the shadow of the truck, you know, came across the car. And he said to them, did, did y'all see that shadow? Did you feel the shadow? And they said, yeah, of course. And he said, did the shadow hurt? Of course not, Dad. That's a stupid question. He said, I know it's hard to understand this, but mom has only passed into the shadow of death because Jesus took the full brunt of the truck. He experienced it and he transformed it so that mom is only in the shadows. She's still here with us. She's just in the shadows. And that's that's the, the hope, the reason why we can get together on the longest night of the year and we can be sad together without fear is because our sadness has a floor because death has been defeated because it's not just the end it's not just you'll be gone and I'll be gone and we'll be gone forever it's a transition to another place it is going to be with the Lord it's going to be with Jesus and one day he will come to us and say, sweetheart, it's time to get up. And on that day, everything that's wrong will be made right. And until then, we live with that faith. We live in that trust. Believing with the Apostle Paul that Jesus will reign until he's put all things under his feet. And the last thing to be defeated will be death. And with it will be all betrayal and all pain and all heartbreak. And he'll wipe the last tear out of our eyes. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Those who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the valley of darkness, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born.
Please pray with me.